0: criminals have a very light prison sentence if they get caught there's not a lot of police or, or you know uh, authorities trying to catch them and on top of it the compensation they get for their crime leads no paper trail for them to get caught
1: What's shaking? Welcome to a very special edition of All In. I'm your host, Rick Jordan, coming to you as always just with the fire and. MSPs especially listening today. We've got entrepreneurs in our audience, a lot of people, but MSPs especially, those in the cybersecurity and IT space, listen up because I've got a special guest today, the CEO of Kaseya. We're gonna talk about so many things today, which is why you're gonna wanna share this out with as many people as you know within the MSP space, within the tech space, because we're gonna hit some amazing things with SaaS and mergers and acquisitions today. And we don't do promotions, we don't take sponsors or anything the only way we help more people and impact more people is with your help. So I'm asking for your help today to just share this out. Because this dude, I'm pumped. He's gonna bring it today. Prior to Kaseya, he's led multiple software and internet technology companies, including serving as president of Yodel and for brand networks, which was sold to web.com and get this, this list goes on and on developed a SaaS company where he drove 100% year over year growth, and successfully sold the business to CA Technologies, and also co founded and served as president and CEO. Oh my gosh, man. Fred, this is incredible. Welcome to the show.
0: <laughs> oh, thanks, Rick, man. You're, you're, you're being too nice. Uh, I just, you know, I was born in a time where technology took off. I've been so lucky and uh, blessed. And, you know, a lot of the things that you said, I, I get some of the credit for them because maybe my title and stuff, but the uh, I got really good markets and had really good people and got very lucky. So sometimes luck is being better than good, but I appreciate you having <laughs> me here
1: and looking forward to the conversation. Same here, my man, same here. It, it's if we could go on that tangent for a little bit, because it, it, you're talking about like being in the right place at the right time, yeah. you know, fr- from what I'm hearing. And I, I see a lot of that in a, a lot of, if you call them successful people, right. And yeah. at the same time, yeah, they're in the right place at the right time. It's almost like sales. I always see it too. It's like sales a lot with sales is freaking timing, you know, yeah. and oh. But you kind of have to make sure that you're going to end up there to begin with, right? So there's probably things that you did uh, prior to that, right, to in order to even have the momentum building in your life. Where did all this start for you?
0: So I'm I don't want to get like too touchy feely and personal, but I'm super blessed. I have I was lucky enough to have the greatest parents and family like ever, or or, you know, I hate saying the greatest, but there were no parents that were better than mine. my father—it's funny—I just, I just did this thing at Kaseya. We have meet the CEO, and it does like a little, you know, a little personal stuff about the CEOs yeah. or things like that. And I never really thought about it before, but my dad is—I you know, believe—the smartest person on earth. <laughs> I'm still lucky enough that he's here. Um, he, uh, after he did his tenure with government and CIA and stuff, he got into the into the technology space in the private sector. And growing up. I yeah, would say my dad got rich after I was old. So, you know, I was very happy there that, it, you know, still had to kind of earn things. But he was, he had a company that invented EasyPass, the electronic toll. Oh, nice.
1: total- yeah. Yeah.
0: So he uh, then was a founding member of the company that did, Navtech, that did in-vehicle navigation. So I'm not here to talk about like my dad's resume, but the innovation, like, oh, he's always thinking His whole career, even when he worked in government, right, it was always about how to take technology and, you know, back when my father was young, computers were brand new, literally brand new. How do you use this new thing called computers, information, data, and technology and change the world? And, you know, growing up in New Jersey… Shout out to New Jersey. You said you don't take ads. Well, I'm shouting out to New Jersey.
1: Um, (laughs) We don't take their money. We give shout outs all the time, brother, to good good people, good places, good things. Yeah, go for it.
0: Going up up New Jersey, there's uh, the Garden State Parkway is one of the major throughways there. And driving down to the shore in the summer, there was just miles of backups at these stupid things called tolls. Because you had to stop your car and throw your quarter in and drive along. I so my old, man, my old yeah. man said, "This is stupid. Why don't we put a little tag on a car window and make it so you can just drive through and they'll debit an account?" Now that's we all live with that every day. I remember him thinking that up at the dinner table and talking about it. I'm like, "Yeah, why don't we do that?" Yeah, you know, I was ten. I don't know, like, <laughs> and that tech was like cutting edge back then. I mean, this is we're talking late '80s, early '90s. So very fortunate that i had a father who was into making the world better by solving big problems with tech and just there was never you can't do it it was let's try to figure out how to do it um and then of course my mom is one of the greatest human beings you'll ever meet i can if i got a, a zero on a test she would find the positive in it and try to make a way of of making it better and you know, when you're, when you're in technology and you're an entrepreneur, you fail a lot. And when you have yeah. a support system that picks you back up when you fail, I'm so blessed. So, yeah, being in the right place at the right time totally helps. Having, you know, the, the, the parents and the family that I had grown up is, is just super blessed for it and super lucky.
1: That's huge, man. I love how you say, you know, having that support system to pick you back up, too, because yeah. it's. there's been a lot of scenarios. I mean, my, my dad was amazing as well, and I've talked about him a lot on the show. He died when I was 16, and he, he, he was always there. He, like, set the stage for me, though, you know, as far as— as far as good work ethic and was never the participation trophy dad. I don't think I've mentioned that (laughs) about him before, but yeah, that that wasn't him, you know, results matter. (laughs) Exactly. But he was also truth because he's like, yeah, you messed up. Now, what are you going to do about it? You know, and I'm going to be there to help you get through your screw ups too. you know, as long as he was alive, he was going to do that. And he did that up until I was 16 years old. But that set a stage for everything in my life to do exactly what you were doing, man. That's awesome to hear the background of, of your family. That's, that's foundational yeah. brother. Yeah, hundred percent. I love 100%. it. So I'm taking a look. I, there's a lot of things that you've done. There was one thing that I noticed with pretty much every company that you've been a part of so far, is that you know, you've been part of the SaaS industry for a long time. And pretty much all the companies you've been a part of have been acquired, which is which is phenomenal because that, that's SaaS, right? Yeah. And we're seeing a lot of that in the MSP space right now yeah. too. Yeah. It's freaking hot. I mean, it just lit up on fire. How do you see the comparisons between the SaaS industry and the MSP space when it comes to M&A?
0: Yeah, exactly the same with a 15-year Delta. Uh, and I'll tell you why. So what uh, the way software started or, or the second phase of software, when, when open-system software, client-server software, like started, you know, the Oracles, the SAPs, uh, the Identify software, one of the companies that uh, my partner Yoki Sloan and I did that sold to BMC, it was right before SaaS. So, SaaS doesn't mean that it's cloud-based. Really, what SaaS is is a business model. Mm-hmm. Software can be hosted or it can be on premise, but it's subscription based. So that fundament software used to be sold on a license and maintenance basis, right? We've all, you know, you sell $100,000 worth of software, you charge 20% a year maintenance. And the problem with that business model is you, you're eating what you kill. You have a nice recurring revenue stream, but the majority of your revenue is not recurring. It's akin to project revenue for an MSP. It's nice, but it's not recurring. Bingo, yeah. So uh, Salesforce was at the forefront of this. And actually, uh, when BMC bought Identify, uh, BMC had a CEO named Bob Beecham. Uh, And Steve Salter was the CFO then. This is going back a while. Started thinking about, well, what if we rented our software? Then Computer Associates was renting their software. And that became software as a service before cloud delivery and cloud delivery just changed the delivery vehicle for software. So what that did was it allowed the revenue streams of software companies to be predictable. And when your revenue is predictable, you can then have confidence in your investment strategy, which means you can then put debt on the asset. Bingo. So once you have a recurring revenue stream, With long-term contracts, so you have low churn, and you can put debt on it, the private equity companies just jumped on it because what a great way to to juice your return. I mean, and and that's why we've seen the amount of private equity dollars in software and internet companies. You want to faint? There's almost a trillion, that's a T, dollars raised in the last six years by people like Insight Partners and TPG and, you know, and, and, and others Tomo, Bravo, Vista, the list goes on and on, for that purpose. And that's why you're seeing just such a huge influx of technology companies because the business model is so lucrative for everyone because of recurring revenue. It's not that the software is more expensive. It's predictable. So what's happening with MSPs is where software and the community of investors around it was about a decade ago. Now we're seeing... Investors looking at MSPs, and when I say MSPs, I'm talking about the people that focus on small and mid-sized businesses. Bingo, sub
1: one hundred million dollar in revenue clients. Yeah, around.
0: Yeah, our yeah. MSPs, not, not IBM and Tata. Yeah. And so, what they're finding is the TAM, the addressable market, is I mean, it's gargantuan. It's it arguably is. Yeah. the largest TAM in the world, and the spend on technology by SMBs is growing at seven times the economy since 2012. It's growing seven times GDP growth. That's insane. And now MSPs, the mature MSPs, I hate saying the smarter ones, but the little more mature ones, that doesn't mean bigger, it means more mature, they're now entering into longer term contracts with their customers, so they're not seeing revenue churn. So the institutional investors are looking at an MSP, and you know this from Public. they're looking oh, yeah. at an MSP and they're seeing this: recurring revenue, low churn, huge TAM, which means you can grow rapidly, and they're seeing you know decent margins. That looks like a software company. So they're throwing tons of money in it. Now, the difference between the software and, and SaaS boom. And the MSP boom that we're starting to see, I think we will see in the next 10 years, is the way MSPs grow, it's a little harder to grow organically as an MSP.
1: You got it. Bingo. Yeah. bingo.
0: So they grow by M&A. They'll buy lots of MSPs and they'll grow inorganically. You guys thrive. Lots of people do that. So that makes the private equity buyer even more interested because they can deploy more capital at a high return. So, I, I, the, the long story short is I think that we're, what, we, what we have seen the last decade with SaaS companies, the same thing is, gonna, it is starting to happen with MSPs. Valuations are a little lower because the gross margins are just a little lower, but it's a fantastic business for, for private uh, institutions and public investors to invest in because of the predictability. So sorry for the soliloquy, but it's, it's super cool to say it because I feel like I lived it. For the last like fourteen years. You
1: have, yeah, for sure. And that's why I I love your perspective too in the comparison because I I share that because it's like we're at the birthplace right now, almost of like a gold rush in the in the MSP space. And you know, at the at the Connect IT event talking about MA, when my talk was around either scale or evolve, you know, and how scaling you it's a tedious process. It takes a long time. Exactly what you're talking about, growing organically. It's like pushing a freaking rock uphill. You get to a to where you mature, you know, like reach out is my MSP. And then now we're good. We're jumping into M&A because it, and because we're filed now with the SEC. We're going public. And that's our capitalization process in order to acquire 50 MSPs over the next two years and create the first nationwide brand, you know, but that's how we're going to grow fast and actually do something meaningful for the world.
0: Yeah. And by the way, congratulations on that. Thank uh, you, brother. Uh, IPOs are, for those who haven't done it, it's, it's exciting. It's a, uh, F ton of work and it is, yeah. it's it's, uh, it's filled with government regulation and just all the things you don't want to deal with, but congrats. That's super cool. Super cool for the industry. You know, I think um, when, when we, th- we think about the MA forum that we just had, uh, you know, at connect and, and all the folks that were there, one of the things that we're finding at Caseya, and I'm going to say this in a, in a way, not to like piss people off, but it's the reality. the, the MS, the, the small, as I said earlier, the small to mid-sized business market is gigantic, and it's only growing, which means there's more than enough customers for everyone to make a lot of money.
1: You got it. Sure is.
0: However, we're finding that the winners or the better run MSPs are doing, everyone's doing well. Even the MSP that's not maybe run exceptionally well, they're doing fine. But the MSPs that are crushing it like yourselves are the professionally run, well-run MSPs that have things like a professional go-to-market team. They understand how to, to use inorganic growth, which is the fancy way of saying m and yeah. They understand how to make technicians efficient, how to recruit and retain in this tight labor economy. And I think what we're going to see in the next phase of MSPs, usually, usually, not always, the well-run MSPs are run by professional business people, which means they're, they're larger by definition because yeah. they have institutional capital and stuff. So I think that in order for the MSPs that want to remain small and independent, and there'll be a ton of them because the market's so big, they need to start thinking about how to make their company, which happens to be an MSP professionally run. Think about sales and marketing as a professional. Think about the finance function as a professional. And I think a lot of folks, a lot of MSPs, they're running an 8, 10, 12, 20, 30-person company. They may not want to be a business owner. They want to still be an MSP, if that makes yeah. sense.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: We're going to see more and more m and it's And uh, it's just super, super exciting.
1: Yeah, no joke, man. I uh, As you're talking about this too, I'm starting to think about this because the capitalization structures and you're saying running by professional people. You know, one of the things that has made everything possible for what I'm doing is literally by being the face, by putting a face to the brand. And I was at an event just about a month ago and the the speaker made a comment. It was actually uh, Tony Robbins made the comment that uh, a faceless, I know he's phenomenal. He said, he said, a faceless brand takes way more capital and way more time to build. And, you know, I think to when, you know, even with the, the breaches that took place, you know, just a couple months ago with Kaseya, you know, I was watching you and your media appearances. I was doing a couple of Bloomberg appearances and everything else and seeing you jump into the media. I mean, global media at that point so that people felt safe and secure was incredible. Did you ever think that? Like when I grow up, I want to be on CNN, I want to be on Bloomberg and, you know, to representing the company that I'm working for. <laughs>
0: Well, well, and if I ever did, it wasn't under those circumstances. Right? Sure, no but, doubt. Uh, no, I listen. I, I grew up in New Jersey, as I said earlier. You know, relatively humble. You know, yeah, never wanted for anything. You know, like I said, my, my father worked for the government for most of my young life, and we were just great family. And I, uh, I I wanted to be a baseball player when I was a kid, then a football player, then I wanted to go in the military, and I, all the things that most people do when they're you know when they're when they're growing up. I um. I, I took a liking to solving, I took a liking to innovation, partially because of my dad. Yeah. And then, you know, I was lucky that when, I, when I, the time that I was born was like the client server and the internet uh, booms, if you will. And that just made things that were never physically possible now possible. And w- what's been my kind of calling is how is technology and innovation that was once the domain of large enterprises and large governments. Now the domain of a dental office and the MSPs that serve them. Like that's pretty cool. So it's uh, being the face of Kaseya, Like man, I get imbe- I I get really nervous speaking in front of groups. Um, I just spoke in front of three thousand people at our Connect conference. I. I was, you know, I was super, I, I don't like that. I don't like going to networking events around people. I don't know. I get nervous. I've had the same friends since I was in kindergarten. I like, you know, I'm, I'm, I just get nervous, with it, but it's part of the job. Um, and to your point and to Tony Robbins point, can't we're talking about Tony Robbins on
1: here. Guys. <laughs> so cool. But you're right.
0: You know, yeah. leadership, leadership is you, you gotta be the, you gotta be in front. And when we had our our security incident, it's something we take really seriously. Like, you know, if I if I smiled or made a grin about it, like it's just out of embarrassment. Um, it's That's a serious thing. And it required the world or, the, or our constituents, our customers, I don't care about the world, our, I could give a shit about that, but our customers to really know that we take it serious. Yeah. And our customers are small business owners or mid-sized business owners or, in your case, large business owners. But... You know, in the scheme of the world, Apple's a large company. Your company, you guys are getting getting ready to go public, but we're all small businesses. You know? Yeah, we're, for sure. Yeah, we're four hundred million in revenue. We're small business, and we impacted a lot of people's lives. It was important to do that. But to directly answer your question, no way in hell. When people saw, when my friends I grew up with that I do jujitsu with saw me on TV. They sent me so, I mean, they made memes of me. They made fun of me. Nuts of me. Are you kidding me? You made me? it Fred. You've got memes yeah. of you now. That's crazy. No, it's, no, it's it, you know, put me like in, in prison garb, like, Oh, you're going to jail. And, but, um, but now it's, uh, my
1: team likes to do that internally. When I say something really stupid on the show, they'll do the same thing. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. That's when you know, you've made it right. You got yeah. memes. <laughs> It's funny. Yeah. Dude, I, I appreciate it. I mean, I'll just say this on the record as I did before. I appreciated Kaseya's response to the security incident. To me, it was incredible. And even with the with the global media appearances I was doing on Bloomberg and, and Cheddar and, and Newsmax and Fox, it was... Uh, my focus was more so on the MSPs, you know, because it was interesting to me, and this is part of the the state of the industry, like as I talked about last week, too, is the brutal truth of the MSP space and why I see there's so much M&A going on is because there is a genuine lack of competency around cybersecurity. Oh and it's because there's so it's overwhelming man you know and i've got background from education from the cia and the nsa you know as a civilian for for a contract work and i see things a little differently than most but you know i I showed my stack from three years ago and as a board when we you know outline this everyone talks about layers in the msp stack there's like 27 of them you know there's something like that that we're up to right now It's insane. And I see MSPs out there with three or four items as part of their quote unquote, cyber offering. Yeah. And it's, it's getting difficult to compete because the rules of today are gonna to be freaking obsolete tomorrow yeah. for the small yeah. shops.
0: It is. And I think you bring up so many interesting points. One, so I learned a lot during this, uh, during this, the cyber incident. We spent so much time with um, domestic agencies, yeah. um, I had some exposure to some of the international or the other three letter agencies, um, which is legal the way that it was done. You know, they're not allowed to in the States, but it was, it was, I learned so much. First off, I, I got to give, if any of these guys and gals are listening, Homeland, uh, CISA, uh, FBI. incredible, fans, aren't they? Un- yeah. I mean, listen, yeah. you know, <laughs> say what you will. If you like the government, if you don't like government, like wherever you stand, our tax dollars for these areas, very well spent. It was like some of the things they were doing. I felt, I mean, so we're a we're $400 million software business. We have about a $200 million security business. We have some very well-paid, very smart engineers, uh, as, as we can imagine, right? Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, there's like James Bond stuff. Yeah, dude, Some of right. the things, amazing capabilities, and they they actually gave it, they cared. It wasn't like, I was expecting a lot of empty suits, to be honest, and yeah. I was floored. But if you think about the situation of the world, Rick, and, and this forced me to do a little like, like thinking, I you know, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a product of the New Jersey public school system, so my intellectual horsepower may not be so great. But you know, here here's a here's a couple of interesting facts, and if you think about it, so as a as a Western society, so this is EU, uh, North America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, we spend about one thousand times one thousand the amount of financial resources combating illicit drugs than we do cybercrime. Yeah. 1,000 times the economic output of cybercrime in all its forms, not the result of it, the output from the gains from those who participate directly and indirectly is about the same as the economic output of the illicit drug trade. That's so what that tells us is you know, and, and I think it's it's not with any malintent, but the you know, the um, the governments in the Western world don't fully understand cybercrime because they're allocating one one thousandth of the resource to protect us from it. Yeah. So what yeah. that means is it's up to us protect ourselves and for MSPs to protect themselves and their customers. So it's completely unregulated. Two other things on top of that. By the way, I'm not saying regulation is good. It's a fact. <laughs> Two other things on top. One is you, if, if, if you or I were to walk into a bank with a note, pass the note and say, give me $25,000 or I'll shoot you with the gun in my pocket. Or if we, you know, through various means of cybercrime, stole $10 million from the same bank our prison sentence is about 15 times longer for the armed robbery. Yeah. Second thing, 100% of ransomware and about 82%, I believe is household of all cyber crime is conducted with anonymous currencies. And the number one way criminals in all aspects of professional organized crime are you know, captured by law enforcement is through the financial crimes, Al Capone went to jail for tax evasion
1: yeah, you're right go to jail
0: because some dude like, you know, had a gun to his head. It is virtually impossible to follow the money with anonymous currencies. So we've created a state where criminals have a very light prison sentence if they get caught. There's not a lot of police or, or you know, guard, uh, authorities trying to catch them. And on top of it, the compensation they get for their crime leaves no paper trail for them to get caught. This is going to get much, much, much worse. It's mind because, blowing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to your point, they you know, through without, with, without having any bad intention, because like you, I got talked to a number of government people in the EU and the States uh, in the last three months, and they're just learning it. They're learning what we probably knew seven, eight years ago. So, we are on our own to protect ourselves and our customers. And I think all of us, software vendors like Kaseya, I guess Microsoft got hit 15 times, I like think 16 times in the last year. This is Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. My favorite company in the you world. You got it. You know, it it's, it's something that is fundamentally going to alter Western civilization if it's not addressed properly. For and sure. right now, people like like you and other MSPs are the front lines in protecting It's It's a... It's an interesting fight
1: for sure i just saw an article just this morning that microsoft out of their study over the past six months deemed russia as the largest threat for nation state backed cyber attacks. And you start to see this uh, because we've seen executive orders by the administration, this administration and the previous administration. So this isn't a partisan issue. That's uh, which is what you're talking about. You know, and and even when I was in a room at the White House last year and the secretary of war room pushing an AI bill across the table, it was really cool because you're talking about DHS. That's who was in the room with me. DHS, CISA. And, you know, I'm at the foot of of a big oak table with the secretary, director, deputy, director of defense at the head of the table talking. I'm like, I'm just a guy, right? And and as I'm talking to everybody in this room, it blew my mind because just like you experienced, it was so just incredibly lifting to me to see that they really cared about the people and uh, that they were trying to protect. And then you see the Senate reports of the the special inquiry committee where they rated the different government agencies as far as their cyber readiness. And I think the DHS got a B plus and the state department got a D minus or something like you see the discrepancy, right? And, but you also see that they're really on the forefront and it comes down to tax dollars. And then the, The Air Force lieutenant that just resigned a little bit ago because he said that he compared us to China and said that we're at a kindergarten level from a government perspective for cybersecurity readiness and preparedness compared to China. So all of these things, man, just back up your points that it's now up to the MSPs.
0: Yeah. And it's it'll another point to all of that is you and I, uh, we need a license if we want to drive a car. We need a license if we want to get married, a marriage license, right? Yeah. We don't need a license to control all of the systems and data and information and security for all of our customers. I'm not saying that we want to regulate stuff. I'm just pointing out it's not even on the government's mind yet. It's getting there. And this stuff, you know, this stuff, you know, the, the anonymous currencies and the, and the combined with the technology innovation that cyber criminals have, I I don't want to sound like an alarmist or some kind of crazy person. This is the only threat to our way of life because there's very, very bad things that can happen. Imagine if you can't go online and do anything. That's not just going to your Amazon account and buying your weekly supply of shampoo. That's, the, the supply chain stops. Supermarkets don't get stocked in three days. Bad things can happen, so it's uh, it's up to us. And that's that's one of the things to your original point about everything I'd get in front of a camera, <laughs> like Fox News or CNBC. Yeah. Like, no, I didn't, and I hate doing it. Like even things like this, I love the opportunity. I just, I get really nervous. I, I hate hearing my own voice and seeing my own face, but it's part of the job and, and we're doing good in the world. We're not just making money. We're doing good in the world. And
1: that's you, pretty cool. You got it, brother. Well, you're doing good in conversation today. I'm enjoying our conversation so far. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, th- this is why M&A is so big right now too, is because it's it's difficult. Now, when I say s- for smaller MSPs, you know, I'm really talking, which is the majority of MSPs that are sub 5 million in revenue, even sub $1 million in revenue. Yeah. They haven't cracked. That million-dollar glass ceiling yet, and I remember it took me because I started as an engineer, man. You know, when I was laid off working for Best Buy, right? Yeah. I was the first freaking Geek Squad agent in Chicago after the acquisition of Geek Squad. And Geek Squad, cool, I didn't know that, did. dude. It's, it's. I still got my badge, right? <laughs> I still got my badge from. By my way, back. what an
0: opportunity missed by Best Buy with Geek Squad. They could have turned that into a national MSP. Oh my brand.
1: God! The, yes, exactly. So <laughs> I've had thoughts about that too, about walking. Back in, you know, to to Best Buy headquarters in Minneapolis at at some point and being like, yeah, I'm a public company now. (laughs) And I was putting together and I trained all of Canada for the rollout at a lot of the United States. You know, let me tell you where you went wrong. Okay. (laughs) But but try to unify that. And that's what I'm trying to do even with the public offering is try to help unify the fragmented space. But those smaller MSPs, man, the only way I see that they're going to compete is really by almost like investing their company into to a larger msp in order to even still be relevant and then they actually get some good things like i love it being a public company because there's stock that's involved in all these deals too yeah. so the, the the stock launch you know wherever it's at a dollar a share or whatever imagine that being ten dollars a share twenty dollars a share a hundred dollars a share in the next 10 years and now there's it's liquid yeah. Exactly. It's incredible. And now you're part of this amazing thing to actually begin to compete against all the threats that are out there. I'm not even talking about other MSPs, but now you have a freaking fighting chance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the IPOs are it's interesting. So two 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 things that you say you brought up that made me just think a little bit. One is you're right. Our data has about uh, if we're talking globally, um, uh, Western or, or EU Australia, New Zealand, uh, North U.S., Canada, Mexico, and Argentina. That's and uh, South Africa. That's kind of how we kind of look at. It. Um, we're looking at about one hundred and forty thousand MSPs, and yeah. most of them are sub a million. Um, yeah, that's that's why there's a lot of more lifestyle businesses. A wife, a husband, uh, two friends. They have seven hundred thousand dollars recurring business. They have fourteen customers and. They're not interested in growing globally and doing different things. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it gets harder every day for them to deliver the quality that they need to. And, you know, some do and some don't. But being public, I, I think you're right in the market. It, it gives, you know, a firm like yours or if Kaseya does it, the publicly traded equity is a nice currency. Yeah. It's great for, because it's liquid. You know, if you give someone 5,000 shares in your private company, it's worth a lot of money. Is, they can't, you know, turn it into cash tomorrow and go pay for their kids' college tuition. Yeah, right on. Public currency, you can. So it allows you to share in the upside with instant liquidity. I think we're going to see more and more of that. I think you're going to see, you know, like Datto went public. Um, you know, Caseya's most likely going to go public. Um, You're hitting saying, on one of
1: my questions for you. What were those plans? Oh, yeah, Datto, by the way, took my ticker. They took MSP. But <laughs>
0: know, yeah, that, that was smart. I got to tell you. That was, that, really that was smart, a really yeah. nice ticker. They're one of my competitors. Uh, so I, I love for them when they don't do well.
1: <laughs> but
0: uh, <laughs> very, very good ticker. Um, it's a good company. Tim's doing a good job. But uh, the... So it, it does a lot of good things for us. Yeah, we'll be a public company. We're very acquisitive. Our strategy is a little different than Dato and some of the others. We, we have a, a more... Platform view, we believe that the problems that you, the challenges that you indicated MSPs have, um, we want to stay ahead of it. You know, we're buying two to three companies per year. We're integrating those technologies in our stack because there's so much innovative stuff that comes out to deal with the threats that are emerging every every day. So, but either way, hopefully we're right, but we'll see. Um, It's
1: really cool watching your strategy and as you add these different components and, and just Puzzle pieces to what you're doing. Yeah. And uh, I'm sharing the same as I'm looking for MSPs to acquire, I'm trying to find ones with specific competencies too. Yeah. You know, th- yeah. if it's Apple or if it's uh, even a SaaS company or if it's someone that actually has a couple of CISOs on staff and that's an area that they specialized <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah, exactly. To, to, to have all these competencies. Because just like when Kaseya started, I, mean, I remember Kaseya a, a decade ago, right? It was just the RMM. And that was it. You know, it's cool. It was, it it worked really, really well, phenomenal. But as you added these components to it, you're able to do so much more to to where it's a one stop shop and MSPs now actually have an opportunity to be able to have this platform based solution to where they can just plug in and offer things they never could before.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, our our view of the world and keeping this away from being a Kaseya commercial. So Mm -hmm. our view of the world is analogous to how Microsoft viewed the world in the 90s with Microsoft Office. For those of us that are a little older, we remember when Excel wasn't the number one spreadsheet, Lotus was. WordPerfect oh, yeah. was the dominant word processor, and Harvard Graphics was the dominant presentation layer, not PowerPoint. Microsoft did that, was the two things really interesting. One, they recognized that a white collar worker wants to have access. To ask, you know, to this much of this much functionality in Excel, in PowerPoint. You don't have a uh, an, an Excel or a word guru in the office. So what they did was they bundled all of the different independent tools and they integrated them. So now you get Office. So you can right-click on PowerPoint and it opens Excel. And you can do, you know, and, and it became yeah. available to everyone because what the user wanted was everything integrated. We, our platform called IT Complete, we have the same view. The MSP technician, very, very few MSP technicians do only one thing. Most of them, they might be uh, backing up a VM. They might go and patch a machine and they they do different things. They'll have areas of expertise, but most are multifunctional. Our platform is purpose-built for them. We like to think it includes all of the functionality that the MSP technicians need to Deliver all of the managed services to their customers, and it's all done in an integrated way. And because we provide all of the different technologies, we don't need to make all of our money in any one. We charge one third less than what our competitors do for the same functionality. So the MSP can make more money because you, as an MSP, you have two costs. I mean, multiple two primary costs: labor. And the cost of the kit to deliver your service.
1: Yeah, bingo. And if we
0: can make your labor 20% more effective by integrating things, and we charge you 30% less for your kit, we think that we can make an MSP grow their their profit by about 50% without adding a single new customer. And that's our job. That's what we try to do.
1: I love it, man. That's a, as I'm looking at this too. It's like, hey, that's what I'm doing with the with the roll up too, because we're yes. going to be able to charge still a premium, but providing the entire solution set, all the competencies in cybersecurity to clients, SMBs across the United States and North America, for a little bit less than some of the premium MSPs that are the smaller ones. Yeah, and. It, <laughs> it's amazing too because you talked about datto a little bit too and how they went public because say is planning on going public reach out my msp is going public how, what what are the benefits of that because i remember datto got a bunch of backlash from the MSP community when they did, especially over the ticker that they chose. Yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I know, love but it personally. But I, I do too.
1: It. I think it was freaking brilliant. You know, and I was like, son of a bitch. You know, they t- <laughs> I was more in admiration than I was pissed off.
0: At M- yeah, M- yeah, me too. <laughs> I, me too. Yeah. So, look, it's a great question. I mean, I think being public, it, I mean, it sucks for you and I doing that. It's a pain in the butt. Yeah. Right. So, for everyone listening, uh, it stinks. You have liability issues personally. You got to worry about now. You know, in this climate, political climate, like if you're a business person, you're kind of like deemed as bad by certain parts of society, which blows me away. But you're demonized if you if you try to build a business. Um, but there's so many good things that come with being a public company. One of them is we said it earlier. You have the currency to invest in your business. And if if you know, I I. Uh, I'll say this. I think that going public. The perception that they'll become corporate. They won't care about me anymore. That's not if you're public or private. Bingo. That's who's running the show.
1: You got it. Yeah. You know, if you
0: have leaders in the company that give up, that can, I'm trying not to curse, that care, again, that's the New Jersey upbringing, that care about customers. and They really give up, they care. Then being public gives those people who care more resource to do what they want to do. And, you know, if, the people running the show are empty suits, or quite frankly, if technology companies aren't run by business people, they're run by finance people. Like sometimes that might change. Yeah, you're gonna lose a lot. Not because finance people are bad, but they're finance people. And it's more important to look at the leadership and what they're and how they're building and staffing their teams. Um, in my opinion anyway. Yeah. But fundamentally, you get whatever the strategy is and whomever the people are. When you're public, you get more wood behind the arrow to double down. And if the people in the strategy are good, it'll be a good thing for the customers. If they're not, it'll it'll be progressively worse because they have more financial resources to invest in stuff that's not going to help the customers.
1: For sure. I see data going public, you know, Kaseya's, uh, you know, likely plans of going public, reach out going public is very, very good things for MSPs. Oh, yeah. it's Yeah, a- I, mean,
0: yeah I mean, it's it's... Uh, the fact that you guys are going to go is phenomenal. Um, you know, if I'm an MSP, if I'm a, if I'm one of the masses of MSPs, I'm not someone like you. You're you're an exceptional MSP, right? But if you're you know a typical 15 person MSP, all of this publicity is good because all it does is incent more and more institutional money to look at this space, which means there will be more small, medium, and large. Private equity firms buying small, medium, and large MSPs. There'll be more focus on technology. The customers will become more aware of the values of technology, and the overall ecosystem grows. Some people um, look. We're, we're all technologists. I'm a I'm a I'm, I'm a software engineer from I'm a, I'm a nerd. I don't care. I'm a nerd. Nobody doesn't like
1: it. Can, Same brother, you know. Geek Squad, yeah. porn scrubber. Yeah, right, yeah, literally. Right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Whatever. We'll have a conversation in another time about it. But yeah, right so. On we're all nerds and whether we are it nerds or maybe we are um let's say we're chefs and we're very into making the best food or maybe we are uh tailors and we're into making the best like men's suits or women's clothing fundamentally in msps of business it's not about the technology they need great technology to be an msp what i find is the MSP world, because it's made up of so many purists technologists, anything commercial is viewed in negative light by my fellow geeks. Um, you know, I mean, I, I I got past that phase. Not saying it's good or bad. I'm not, not judging. Yeah, yeah, I find the commercial aspect as intellectually stimulating as the technology. I like it both and what it is. What it is. But you know, it's um, if you're if if you're a three person. MSP and you love doing everything yourself, it sucks that it gets harder and harder to be a purist. It just, it's, it's unfortunate. It's like, you're an artisan, you're an artist. You want to, you want to do the best job you can. So I think some of that is there. And those tend to be the loudest voices on Reddit or on all these forums. For sure, yeah. Because they're the ones that have the time to do it. Yeah. Um, And there's, again, nothing wrong with it. It's just, that's, I think we see that in every industry um, as, as as the industries evolve.
1: No doubt. I'm always going to try to stay anti-establishment, man. You know, that's that's why I don't wear a suit. I wear black t-shirts everywhere I go and jeans, you yeah. know, but that's how it is.
0: Yeah. And, and the fact that you said that, and this would be just unsolicited advice, is I think why as a public company, back to your question about data, I think you're going to rock as a public company because you're aware of that. You know, you're like, it's not about... It's not just about the shirt you wear. It's, it's how you view things. And we spoke, spoke offline. Yeah. You genuinely care about your customers and the business. Yes, you care about making money. Yes, but, but you are a technologist and you are a customer service professional, customer solution professional. And I think that's so whoever's listening. Once you guys are public, that's more wood behind your arrow to do what you want, which is the right thing by your customer.
1: Thank you, brother. I appreciate those kind words. What are you excited for the most about the future of our space, of the MSP industry over the next decade?
0: Yeah, I, uh, so I'll answer it about the industry. Not, so, I mean, I, I love my company. I love what we're doing. Yeah. I love our people. So that's super cool. But for the industry, I think there's two big trends. Uh, and I talked about this at, at, the, at the keynote at Connect. So if I'm, I, I didn't say this part. I have nieces and nephews. I have six of them and they're wonderful. I had a conversation with one of them. to thinking about what they want to do with their life. And I'm like, I'll buy you an MSP. Like, MSP? What does that mean? I explained it. And, you know, she's young. She's not not done with her education yet. But I said to her that you want to take as many IT and, and software engineering courses as you can because technology is the future. And here's the biggest, I think, 10 to 15 year window. And that's the, for the proliferation of spending by SMBs on tech. And I think there's two big things that we're going to see in our industry that just alter everything as much as it has in the last decade. The first is we're seeing mid-sized businesses. I'm defining that as companies with one to 15 IT people. Uh, I think by the end of this decade, there will be one third as many internal IT shops of that size. People yeah. like you are going to be doing all their IT. Uh, that triples the number, amount of spend MSPs can get. And this isn't a dental office spending $1,500 a month being a pain in the butt every time something goes wrong. This is a $30,000 a month community bank where you're augmenting their IT group or maybe even replacing it. So you have a long-term contract, sophisticated customer, professional relationship. It's a much better type of customer. That, so MSPs have to learn how to sell to those kinds of companies. Totally. I mean, you guys do it, but you know, again, you're an exceptional. It's a different
1: MSPs. conversation for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that's going to alter and massively open up the market and it's going to make the more sophisticated MSPs more successful. The second, and this is a another interesting, just cataclysmic in a positive way, uh, uh, evolution. So if you think about the typical small business under 100 employees that make up about Ninety percent of customers of MSPs and about fifty percent of the revenue of MSPs. A dental practice, a big one. They got twenty employees. They spend, you know, eight thousand dollars a month with their MSP, and you know, it's a nice, nice little customer. If you think about what that dental practice spends money on, there's about seven business service providers that they spend money on. Their lawyer, their accountant their payments organization, their IT and security person, their digital marketing person, their HR PMO, maybe their managed print if they're in certain businesses. Those are all now technology-enabled services. I think by the end of the decade, the number of vendors that a typical small to mid-sized business leverages for business services will go from seven to three. I think the, the finance person will remain their finance person. or the accounting person, the law firm, the law firm, all other business services that touch technology in any way will be done by the MSP. MSPs, they'll be doing all their payments. They'll be doing all their VoIP, all their unified communications, all the IT and security like they do now. Remember, it was only six years ago MSPs also did security.
1: Yeah, right Beyond antivirus.
0: You know what I mean? You got it. So those two trends will, depending how you look at it, and again, I went through all the numbers at Connect uh, a little while ago, um, It'll probably, uh, what is, uh, triple the TAM available for MSPs. That's exciting. And Kaseya plug, our strategy is to make sure our platform has technologies so MSPs like yourselves can go and get every dime of managed service technology-enabled spend from our platform. And uh, so I'm excited for Kaseya for that. And uh, I'm excited for the industry. I think, it's, I think it's super cool. I think we're, we're in the third inning, and as my good friend, he's not really my friend, but the famous surfer Kelly Slater said, when asked why he wins the national surfing title every year, he said, well, the first thing I do is I pick the right wave. <laughs> and we're on the right <laughs> wave <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it, man. There's something key out of what you said on how the, the, the TAM, the total addressable market's going to triple. And at the same time, I, had a, I was on the phone with Gary Pika just a couple weeks ago, too. Oh, he, yeah. was, he was my very first mentor in the MSP space. Oh, and we Gary's caught up, awesome. He's amazing. Yeah. yeah, we caught up on the phone just a couple weeks ago. And we were going back and forth. And both of us are like, we think there's going to be... So you're saying that the TAM is going to triple. So the amount yeah. of revenue dollars for MSPs to grab is going to triple. Yet... There's going to be one third less MSPs around.
0: Yeah, I, I, so, so, you know, Gary works at Kasei, and he yeah. and I talk a lot. I don't know. I have a little bit of a. We'll see what happens. I don't know if there'll be. I think there'll be the same number of MSPs. Here's what I mean by that. There's a ton of M and A, right? You guys are going to buy hundreds, and yeah. and you know there's tons of M A. But there's also a lot of uh, niche. IT service provider. So so I'm using not MSP coming up. For example, there's an outfit out of Long Island. All they do is compliance management for doctors offices on the island. Yeah, right on. And that's all they do. The guy's got about a million and a half dollar business. He has two employees makes a lot of money of course he uses our compliance product for it there's a plug but regardless of that um sorry I could help it. but I think <laughs> you're going to see you know security compliance uh managed there's a lot of niche services so I I think that the market's going to triple there'll be a ton of MA. I think we'll have roughly the same number of orgs but every the org, that means the orgs are going to be 3x bigger yeah you know so and you know who knows I, mean, I You know, Gary and I talk about this a lot and and you know, it's I usually lose my arguments to Gary, so he's probably he's right.
1: A, he has a but, way of speaking, doesn't he? Yeah, he's such a <laughs> smart dating. I know.
0: I, I've learned so much from that dude. Now he's yeah. got a huge ego, so now his ego is gonna be twice as big. As me saying that, but I'm I, I, I love him. He's yes, a mentor
1: God. that's turned into a friend. So it's
0: <laughs> I didn't know you. I didn't know you and Gary were, That's super
1: cool. Yeah, it's the cool. year. I mean, 2013. Right, at, right at the beginning of when he was really starting True Methods yeah. and everything. I was one of his first. You know, ho- however many clients that was on there, and I credit a lot of my success to him. And I, I cool. like I like to to Josh him a little bit too and be like, dude, I, I kind of improved on some of your methods a little too, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> one of the jokes, uh, one of the jokes that we have, and this is an MSP, uh, you know, uh, conversation. So most of your listeners will probably know it. So Jim Lippy, you know Jim Lippy yeah. uh, from SAS Alerts, he used to work at Kaseya for a long time. Great guy. And um, so we always tease uh, Gary that you know Jim Lippy is becoming a bigger deal in the industry than he is. So it's a little inside. <laughs> I <laughs> also had to plug my good friend Jim Lippi. Anyone's listening, he's got a great company, SAS Alerts. Check
1: it out. I love it, man. So, Fred, as we round this out, man, what's next for you? Because you've taken Kaseya from what, like 85 million to 400 million in revenue? Yeah. You know, you've been a part of so many here. You, you've got a public offering you're teasing now as a possibility with Kaseya. What's next for you personally, man? Where do you see yourself I, going?
0: Yeah, I, I have like <laughs> I hang out with my, my friends from childhood, my yeah. mom, my dad. My brothers my nieces and nephews my dog i do jujitsu i suck at it but i try to do it all the time uh, i box i suck at that too but i like getting knocked out and i work i love what we do i, I really enjoy it uh, as you mentioned earlier most of my companies that i've started before were single product companies They got to 50 80 100 million we sold them we did well and all that kind of stuff this is different this is a platform and i i think i'm gonna i mean unless i get fired which you know, it can happen. They can get sick of me and who knows what happens. I uh, I think it's say is three, four billion in revenue by the end of the decade. I think we are the number one SMB business, SMB facing solution provider by the end of the decade worldwide, including love into it.
1: it. Yeah.
0: Um, I think we have a really unique opportunity and I love it. I love our company. I mean, dude, we're based in Miami. You take a look, right? It's for awesome. right? Yeah. Miami. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I plan on being here. I love our customers. It's cool to deal with. Owners and executives of, of companies talking about their business, not selling some application release automation product to some dude at Citibank who care less. You know, it's, <laughs> it makes a big difference. I love it. I'll be here. Um, I love that.
1: And cool. if something happens, you know, there's always a home for you with me, too. I'm just going to throw oh, that thank out you. there. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> as long as
0: I don't have to do, I feel so embarrassed on these things. As long as I <laughs> stay behind the scenes. It's all good.
1: I love cameras. I'll, I'll be the one that goes out all the global beatings Cool, school. Yeah, awesome, yeah. Fred, thanks so much for being on, man. It was an amazing conversation. Just a lot of insight you bring.
0: Oh. Well, thank you. And, and again, congrats on the filing. That is a huge deal for you personally, your company, obviously the MSP industry. But man, that's... I'm, so, I'm. pumped. That's good to hear. <laughs> Thanks. Congratulations. Brother. Cool. All right, guys. Take care.